0: the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So we come to the fourth Sunday before Lent, and it uh, always is the uh, account of the publican and the Pharisee, and uh, the theme is, uh, Open Unto Me the Gates of Repentance. Open unto me the gates of repentance, which leads us to Lent and Holy Pascha. So when I was started my uh, kind of journey to uh, prepare the the, uh, the homily, I always read the text early in the week, kind of jot down a few notes, and I found myself. Uh, being the Pharisee most of the week, I was judging everybody. I was looking at everybody else's things, faults, and saying, Boy, look at all the Pharisees I know. Come to find out, the chief Pharisee was me. Very powerful kind of moment there. You know, because we can look very kind of cursory at our own. Sins and look very, and we don't. like we don't have a lot of gross sins, right? We don't have a lot of gross sins, and so it's easy to kind of gloss over our own body and soul, and to just kind of then not see much, not see much. But Lent and the pre-Lenten work is to get deeper, to go after our core sins, to go deep into our soul, into our body, and to take a serious examination, and we begin to do that, we begin to see that we are truly the Pharisee, Because we are the chief of all sinners, and we judge others much more severely than we even take a look at ourselves. So, today is this day where we are to look deeply at our own selves, to look at, at, at ourselves in relation to repentance. And I was reading some text uh, in relation to this. Uh, repentance was described as a change of spirit, not just a listing of sins. We don't list our sins. We don't say, here's the list, God forgive me. It's actually to change our, our kind of the inner direction we have. So we have to see the importance of this that it's a change of spirit, a radical change, a renewal, a conversion. That's the repentance that we need to learn to step into as we kind of make this journey toward Holy Lent. So we come to this account of the publican and the Pharisee. As Father John Stephen would say, the Republican and the Pharisee. I thought you'd like that. As he would say, that's the same person. <laughs> he would say that, so I forgive it. The publican and the Pharisee. Now, the Pharisee was not all bad. Okay? He fasted twice a week. Do you do that? He tithes 10% of his gross And any little gift he gets, 10% he gives. He does not even take credit for this. He thanks God for this. But he gives thanks not with a repentant and a humble heart. That's his sin. Not repentantly, not with a humble heart. And to that with a sense of judgment towards others. So we need to dig deep and be very careful of looking out and judging other people. The publican, on the other hand, could not look up, pounded his breast, saying, Lord, have mercy, and stood, kneeled before God in deep repentance. I have nothing, Lord, to give you but my sorrow. My sorrow. My repentance. So we hear this at the end. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this is kind of our pattern. I remember when we were kind of journeying into orthodoxy, we were working on these spiritual truths. Um, I think Father John Braun said this. You either humble yourself or let God humble you. You choose. I think we would choose, let's let's get as low as we can. Metropolitan Joseph talked to us about humility. He said, I want you to be competitive. I want to find out who's the most humble of all of you. Be competitive in humility. So this sense of humility then kind of guides us through the rest of the homily. The Pharisee, though rich in virtue, could not stand up to this uh, examination of humility because he was kind of boastful, fell to pride. In the texts that uh, describe his condition, one was foolish pride, a proud heart, a procrastinator, swollen with boastful, uh, with, with boast. Uh, evil folly, and hateful deceit. These are the descriptions of the Pharisee. So let's take a look at foolish pride. Foolish pride uh, brings about vainglory. So everything that we do that's good, we begin to attribute to ourselves. I'm good, I do this well, I do this well. Okay, Rather than make an immediate transfer to anything that's good done, that we transfer it immediately to a thanksgiving to God. In fact, vainglory is going to come at you no matter what. All the saints say that. As soon as you do something good, you're going to be tempted to attribute it to yourself. Tempted. Every time. Maybe some of the saints don't get that. But most of us, we're going to be tempted to vainglory. So, Let's be very careful of that. In fact, vainglory is such a, uh, an elusive uh, attacker to us. This whole week, guess what? You can't fast. It's true. There's no fasting this week. See, and everybody goes, oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. It's actually kind of an embarrassment. The Lord is saying, you know, you're going to fall to vainglory. There's no vainglory this week. In fact, you fall to it so, you're so susceptible to it that I'm not even going to let you fast. So there's no fasting this week for that reason. Not because we're getting a break, but because we are so susceptible to vainglory. So be very careful of that. A, a proudful heart, a, pride, a prideful heart. So we look at this and we say, well, that means I'm a better person than other people, right? I'm better than others. And I always look around and I even begin to take a look at when somebody else is struggling, it kind of makes me somehow just feel a little bit better. It's like when you stand in line and you're the last person in line, it always makes you feel good when somebody comes up behind you. You're not the last person, right? No longer the last person. So we always have to be very careful of this. Our, our, our pride begins to eat at us to the point that not only are we pride, prideful of the things we do, but we even like the fact that others aren't doing as well as we are. Swollen and boast. Okay? When we begin to do this, um, we begin to develop an expectation of how things should be in this world. How things should be in relation to my life, and so I have this set of expectations. And guess what happens with expectations? They're always disappointed. You know, a funny story, I had uh, my coach Jack Curtis had a build The Harder Stadium over there at UCSB was built because Jack Curtis built it. It's called Harder Stadium. It should be called Curtis Stadium. Well, years ago, they decided to make uh, a tribute to him. So they said they raised all this money to make the, the main gate the Curtis Gate. So we, we, the football team, all these people, raised this money for him. And they put, uh, we, went to do, we went to do this uh, ceremony around the uh, inauguration of the gate. And there's a little sign about this big. It says, Curtis Gate. (laughs) And his son, Jimmy Curtis, came to me and said, you know, the old man used to say, expect very little and you'll never be disappointed. (laughs) But that's the problem with expectations. They get up there and people disappoint us. People disappoint us. And we get angry at them. We get disappointed in them. We are upset at them. We become embittered because people aren't acting the way we expect them to act. Well, guess what? That's just the way it's going to be. You just have to understand that. And not if when we're, and we find ourselves in that, we have to drop down and say, the expectation is not on them, it's on me to respond well to whatever circumstance comes at you. That's my goal. I, don't, I try not to expect a lot. But I do expect a lot. But I'd be, I'm careful of kind of letting that desire be so high and rich and muddled with pride that when it's disappointed, I get angry. Be very careful of that. We all do that. Um, evil folly. The Pharisee was accused of evil folly. So way I look at that is we begin to begin to get we begin to get overconfident in our uh, spiritual work. And we begin to say to ourselves, you know, I'm doing really well here, so I'm just I'm just really happy I'm doing well in this area, you know? I I maybe it's maybe it's envy, maybe it's greed, maybe it's gluttony. I'm doing really well here. And I stop being vigilant. I stop paying close attention. And guess what happens? I fall because I'm not vigilant. So this issue of vigilance becomes very important to us, to kind of stay focused on that which is uh, in front of us all the time, never realize, never, never coming to this conclusion that I'm doing really well here Uh, I don't have to work as hard anymore. No. You know, one of the great curses in golf is to say, you know, I'm really hitting the ball well today. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall apart out there. In fact, we never say those things out loud on the golf course. You never compliment yourself on the golf course. because You're doomed. You're doomed immediately. So we have to be very careful of not being vigilant. We're not being vigilant. Not paying attention all the time to ourselves. And then his last uh, sin was hateful conceit, which leads to judgment. You know, it's it's one thing. I remember when Elder Pavlos was with us uh, years ago, he said, you know, there's a lot of spiritual ascetic disciplines that are very hard. Fasting, all night vigils, but there's one spiritual discipline you all can do. It's not judge another person. That's you're capable of that. That's something we all can grab, okay? We can grab not judging others. And so we have to kind of always look at ourselves and, and be very careful of when that judgment comes out there, when that discernment shows up about a situation our first response to that must be to pray. A discernment about somebody's circumstance means God is giving that to you to pray. So you pray for them. It's not to, he doesn't give you that concern so you judge. I want mercy, not judgment, okay? So this becomes then our effort for us. So if we can flee being the Pharisee, We come to this place of great humility as the publican. And the publican sees and uses his humility as a weapon. I want you to hear this. Humility scatters a multitude of passions. Evil is cleansed by humility. Broken hearts are mended. Grace is given to the humble. You know where where God loves to live? In a humble heart. He loves to live there. That's his place. When we fill it up with pride and envy and anger and bitterness and resentment, we crowd him out maybe put him in a very little corner. But when that heart grows in humility, God fills it more and more and more. So today, let us take the example of the public of, of the publican and humble ourselves before God and each other and allow him to grow himself in our heart to fill it with his love, and his grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.